Hello, and welcome to Control Escape, a podcast dedicated to showcasing the entire menu of top Africans in all areas of technology, with the aim of encouraging and motivating other Africans venturing into the growing landscape. Join me on this epic journey of discovery, adventure, and first-hand experience. Welcome listeners to another episode of the Journey Series on Control Escape. This is your host, Samala Drani, and we are back from a very long break. We went to, you know, sit back, look at things, pack it properly, repackage it, and we are back with a punch. Today we have with us Mariana Gaga. She's a senior programs manager at Microsoft. I'm excited because I've been following some of the things she's doing, especially for the community.net and Visual Studio, and it's amazing. And I know that apart from that amazing and spirited woman we're going to talk to today, she's going to give us a lot more into how, you know, she got into technology, how challenging it's been, what she's been up to, and hopefully it's going to make a difference in someone's life back home. Welcome to the show, Mario. Oh, thank you for having me, Samuel. It's it's amazing. We're just before the show, we're talking about build and all the cool stuff that is going up. So tell us, who is Mario? Oh, wow. That's a large question. Uh, my <laughs> name is Maria Nagaga, as you said. I am from Kampala, Uganda. I am one of those few Ugandans where my ancestral home is actually the capital city. <laughs> uh, I was like, yeah, these are somewhere else. Uh, I am from Uganda. I lived a bit in London, but pre- predominantly I'm Ugandan, born, raised. Um, I went to university in Canada, and that's where I pursued a computer science degree. Um, prior to doing that, I never had a clue that computer science was actually an occupation that you could have until my mom read about it in an article and she said, you, you're doing that one. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, 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 and that was my entry. And I have to thank her uh, every day for pushing in me, pushing me in that direction, because um, as a person who grew up, I love reading books. I specifically love reading history and I still and always will love history as my first love um, one thing i love about doing anything in programming is that you can create something and you see it immediately and that was my introduction to programming is that i discovered it on my own um differently from you know a lot of people that um and you must in, you must see this as a lot a lot of people that we are we go we work with who are, are american or european they have been programming since they were zero mm. and it's been a part of their life living and breathing uh, for me programming is something i didn't discover until i was um 20 mm. and that's when i first discovered it and i was like wow and it was all self-taught and when i saw that i had a passion for it um i pursued a degree in it and really it was my mom who said hey look at this that was, was the best, best thing i ever did mm. wow yeah. That's 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 amazing to know that your mom, you know, had a had a role to play in your you joining or you having interest in in technology. So you mentioned you you know born and raised in Uganda. First of all, out of curiosity, I know you have a middle name, Nakanwagi, if I pronounce. Nakanwagi, yes, yeah. Just out of curiosity, what's what's the meaning of that name? I know it has a meaning. Nagaga has a meaning. Um, Nakanoji mm-hmm. doesn't. Nakanoji just identifies what um, tribe and clan that I am. And okay. I am my aunt. So it's a name that has been passed on to almost every woman on my father's side. 
So any girl born on my father's side has that name. And I was the last girl born. And oh. my aunt was just like, someone has to take this name. So, <laughs> okay, so, so like a lot of people think it has a meaning, but Nakanwaji doesn't have a meaning. It's, it's, just, it's just a name. Oh. Um, Nagaga, on the other hand, has a meaning. It was a name um, invented, created by my grandfather. Okay. Um, when, when he made his fortune, my, actually, my great-grandfather, when he made his fortune, he was one of the first um, Ugandans in colonial Africa to have um, a car. Like, he oh. made and bought his own car and was incredibly independent from all the, the, the everything happening with the colonialists. He was a very independent person. And he named himself Nagaga, which meant rich. <laughs> so it was just like, I'm a rich man. You can't tell me anything to do. Yeah. Wow, yeah. That, that's amazing. That's it's you know these are some of the rich stories that do not often get told, but as yeah. you interact with people, you get to know some of the rich you know culture and rich history behind names and the way we do things, especially as Africans. So yeah. you you mentioned you know back in Uganda, how was growing up like? Oh, growing up like in Uganda was was lovely. I, I you know I miss the great food and everything. Um, I don't miss the canes in school. But <laughs> I, I I I miss I miss the great food. I miss the family, mm. like having around you. Like one thing I have to say about growing up in Uganda is the level of innovation that you see happening. Mm. Um, mm. and you know because our economy in Uganda is truly built on the backs of all the entrepreneurs who do their own thing. Yeah. And the innovation that they drive, because they said, okay, if, you know, if industries are going to come to us, we're going to create our own industry. And I'm just seeing the way, you know, people are, are, are just, you know, especially when mobile phones came out, mm. I have seen mobile phones yeah. are more available in Uganda in the, in the 90s. And I think this happened all over the continent is that it literally opened up the continent. It, it, it opened up the opportunity and, you know, you can really see what tech has become almost our equal divide, our, our equalizer across the continent, especially with devices like the Android device being at any pr pr price point. Yeah. We also opened up the opportunity for anyone to have a smartphone. Mm. So we see people having access to everything. So like growing up in Uganda, one of the things that I constantly saw was my people's innovation mm. and the way they're just trying new things regardless of what it is in whether it is in acting whether it's in tech um, whether it is becoming an up and rising politician mobilizing the people um, i'll say one thing about ugandans is that you know we'll take a challenge and we won't let anything keep us down no matter what so mm. it's like i feel like i got that from being raised in uganda yeah wow yeah that's yeah that's amazing well we we're all not you know uh fond of the canes and the and the whoopings but to some to some extent and a large listen to a larger state it's played a key role in our upbringing so <laughs> that's interesting so you mentioned that you you did your schooling in canada unlike a lot of the other, other africans i've in, uh, interviewed who did most of the uh, you know uh, undergraduate uh, sorry bachelors in 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 Africa? Um, were there any unique challenges uh, when you were studying out of Africa when you're studying in Canada? Were there any unique challenges knowing that you got introduced to computers you know at quite you know well, at, at twenty years, which uh, to some extent you feel well you think that it's it's an old age for getting into computers, which is not, but. Were there any challenges? Oh, yeah, there were a ton of challenges. I think, first of all, you're dealing also with 
cultural challenges mm -hmm. where you're going into a country. And I, I went to school, like I didn't go to Toronto. So, so let me specify, like I was in Toronto. I wasn't in Vancouver. Okay. I was in Nova Scotia, Canada. Oh, okay. Halifax, right. So first of all, I walked into my classroom and I was the only black person and I mm. was the only girl as well. I was wow. the only woman in the room. So there's, there's that challenge as well, realizing yeah. that you are very alone not only are they is there any nobody else who looks like you you mm. also also have no sisterhood so there was also there was that challenge of also just finding my place and feeling comfortable with my classmates right because you don't know how they're going to respond to you and i have to admit um some of them were awful but those tend to have fizzled down i feel like computer science really gave them a bit of a whooping mm. and they weren't able to keep up and all the <laughs> Yeah. Like it was a lot harder than they expected, but then all the really nice, great people stayed. Hmm. So, so I did form lifelong relationships in that way. Um, another thing that I, one thing I also say I really challenged, really was um, hard for me, but then became really easy was um, I don't know if it's the same in Ghana, but in, in Uganda, um, exams are like you have this one major exam and it determines your entire life, right? Yeah. So you spend your entire life just studying for this major exam. Mm -hmm. When I went to school in Canada, it became cumulative where there were these regular exams, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Over and over again. And at first I was like, why are they always testing us? Can they just give us one big exam? But <laughs> I remember when um, I went through the process, I was like, this is such a better method. And eventually you're just like, you stop studying for the exam because mm. you're always prepared for the exams. So there's that. And then um, another thing that was a bit of a challenge that I didn't really think about was the concept of like internships and having to work before you graduated school. Yeah. So, you know, um, a lot of my friends back home, right? You work. Like you finish school, then you look for a job, right? Mm -hmm. But in Canada, I was, you know, you're doing interviews for internships so you can get a job. You are also working part-time. So there's that, that thing of also balancing um, work because you have to survive and also balancing, you know, school um, as well. So I think there, mm -hmm. there were a couple of challenges and also just working with having students who have been exposed to, like, computers and coding and everything their entire life mm. and doing things for the first time so i remember my first class the teacher was explaining the concept of a for loop and so, um, a bunch of the boys put up their hands and like you don't need to explain that we learned that in ap computer science and i was like <laughs> you need to explain it to me i don't know <laughs> right so so there's there's that thing of like we have to acknowledge that people yeah. come from backgrounds yeah so yeah challenges everywhere Mm, mm, yeah yeah today looking at you you know you've you've risen above all those challenges which is a strong message out there it can be very you know intimidating and challenging especially like you said coming from africa or coming from you know a background of nothing from computer science you know into a computer science environment and you having to learn the basic things one of the things that intrigued me when i when i came to the u.s um, was um, I volunteered with TEALS, helping teach AP computer science in high schools. I was like, wow, this is, this is an amazing thing to do because I get to volunteer my spare time to teach young kids, you know, in high school, some of these, you know, uh, concepts. So by the time they, you know, they're ready for college or probably they're going into it, they have an idea of it. So 
it is being one of my driving factors to want to go back home you know and you know start very early you know if it's in the elementary schools and the you know middle schools to get our you know our young ones into it at a very early age you know or at a very early stage so you know they can also rub shoulders with those young people and young guys when they get out of the country it's it's amazing so you finished with school you did what what was your first intention where was your first internship oh my first internship um Everyone laughs when I say this because it, it, it's so Canadian of an internship. <laughs> it was RIM. It was BlackBerry. So this was before the iPhones. Oh. It was cool. So for anyone who's listening to this, it was the coolest internship out there before the time. So my first one was at BlackBerry. Mm -hmm. And I worked on um, the BlackBerry Torch, which was the one that you slid up. The yeah. Slid up. Mm -hmm. So I, I so I worked on that. So I worked on the interface on that for the first internship, and then the next internship I got to work on the um, on the hardware. So it was my exposure to hardware. So mm -hmm. BlackBerry being a hardware company, um, you do work a lot. Everything is hardware, and I actually worked on the supply chain, which I thought mm -hmm. was absolutely interesting. Mm -hmm. Where um, everyone's like, "Oh, why are you working on something so boring?" Like I used to work on how the chips got manufactured at hmm. the plant, like at the factory, until they got into the board. And I thought that was amazing because you realize how um, there's this phone yeah, and you think it's fully made by BlackBerry and then you realize this nope. chip comes from this company and that chip comes from that company yeah. and this does this. And like understanding how all these different pieces on the board work together. together was huge like um everyone expected me to go into iot after that i was like no i just wanted to know how the sausage was made and i'm good yeah yeah uh, but it was it was really it was really interesting so blackberry was my first internship it was so much fun i had a, a boss who used to li literally let me do whatever i want with, within respect but she really wanted me to understand every aspect of mm. what made a phone, like how we decide how um, we we make the form factors, the casings that they go into, and why certain phones have to look a certain way because of the hardware requirements. Um, I thought it was absolutely fascinating. So when I see people complain about when certain devices look a certain way, like, okay, yes, there's some bad device um, design, but there's also a, a reason why we have to build a laptop a certain way, mm. or if we build the, the tablet it has to be this way otherwise it overheats and like it, it those are really cool things that I really enjoyed working on yeah. and benefits of internships like that's a real benefit of internships wow. did so did you did you end up you know um, working there as your first job after school um did I so so like um after school like when I finished university how did I end up at Microsoft yeah, I was just thinking maybe because you loved, you know, what you're doing at BlackBerry, you know, after school, you decided, you know what, I just want to go into, you know, BlackBerry and work full time. But what what happened after that? Like, what was your first job, official job after school? Oh, my first official job after school was evangelism. So I was a developer mm. evangelist um, based right out of New York. I'm still based in New York. Um, and right out of school, I went and I interviewed for a bunch of jobs within Microsoft and other companies as well, but within Microsoft. And there was one interviewer who said, you have so much passion. Mm. Uh, I really recommend that you become an evangelist. And I was like, a, a what? <laughs> like, like a preacher? Like, I don't understand. 
so, so I was like, first of all, I was like, I know you're in an interview and you're trying to pretend that you know everything. Mm-hmm. I tell a piece of advice for people listening. Don't pretend that you know anything. Feel free to push on and ask more questions. Yeah. So I was like, yes, I know what an evangelist is. So I went home and I read about it and it was still a relatively new job as well at mm. the time. So there was no real documentation. And then a recruiter called me and said, hi, Maria, I understand that you are doing some research in New York right now. And we had a job offer in New York. You still have the job in Redmond, but I really want you to interview for this job. Mm. I was like, okay. So I interviewed for the developer evangelist job. Uh, I did the interview on Monday. And then by Monday night, they told me I had the job. So I was wow. like, maybe this is destiny. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I, I did that and I focused on... Um, engaging it, so my job and i was given i'm always given these bizarre tasks in almost every job i've done here <laughs> which i absolutely love they're incredibly over the top tasks which i'd like to go after so they told me maria as an evangelist we need to you need to figure out how we get university students and startups excited mm-hmm. about azure mm-hmm. windows phone and windows 8. so mm-hmm. windows phone and windows 8 that didn't work right they're all using yeah. iphone or all on Macs, like it was just a market we couldn't pen- we couldn't get into. Um, then I transitioned to Azure, and that was like a really good intro because with Azure you had a touch of everything. So I was working with students on how to leverage some things like Azure Apps Insights, mm. Azure web- a website, so like they could go build their own stuff using Azure. And then with startups, it was really about how they could use Azure to scale. So it was really on wow. so that was the first job right out of school um was evangelism and one thing i have to say taught me was empathy for customers mm-hmm. and empathy for how developers think about our products and how we should think about them more as we are building features and products going forward wow yeah that's that's amazing uh, to, to talk of you know being an evangelist and the first thing is oh i don't want to be a preacher i mean <laughs> i got the same the same kick when I first heard about, you know, that role, you know, being, you know, an advocate and evangelist, I was like, wow, that's, I mean, to think of it in that way, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. So let's, let's fast forward to Karen today. Yeah. You were programs, senior programs manager at Microsoft. What exactly do you do? Good question. So I'm a, I'm a senior program manager at Microsoft and I'm part of the Visual Studio and .NET team. So my entire org is called the developer division which is our, our, our entire existence as an org is to make sure that our developers, the people who go and build on Microsoft platforms are successful mm. and are doing it with ease. So this is across any language, right? So not even Microsoft platform, but using Microsoft tools across any language, whether you are from C sharp to Python to JavaScript to PHP, you are happy with our tooling, both with Visual Studio and both on Azure. Mm. And I'm and also making sure that our .NET developers are successful and we continue to evolve and grow .NET to support them in everything. So similarly, I joined this team about um, three years ago. Wow, I can't believe I've been at Microsoft for <laughs> almost seven years. It's been wow. such a long time. Wow. You blink and boom, it's almost seven, it was seven years in October. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I joined this team, the I remember meeting with uh, my boss is Scott Hanselman and his boss is Scott Hunter. So so many Scots within one org. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I met I met with Scott Hunter and I was like, okay, I've joined the Visual Studio and .NET team. What feature am I going to own? And he's like, no, I have a I have a 
a grander plan for you. And I think that was just a, a really polite way of saying, this is going to be very hard, hard right? Yeah. Um, he said, I have a grander plan for you. I want you to go and figure out how to get the next generation of developers excited about Visual Studio, excited about .NET Core. And at that time, .NET Core was relatively new, mm -hmm. and people were still trying to figure it out. So my job was to come up with a strategy um, on how we do that for developers. So there were a couple of things that we thought about, which was, one, we needed to improve our SEO so when people did a search, um, you either Google with Bing or you do a Bing search and you do a search of, of anything that is C-sharp or .NET, you always get the latest and greatest documentation. Mm. Um, there was also the need to redesign the documentation as well. So if you go to docs.microsoft.com, yeah. uh, which was formerly MSDN, you're going to mm -hmm. see a lot of improvements there. And I help lead those improvements on the strategy and how we're doing it. And the last thing was um, a product that I invented which was when you look at lowercase invented, let's say lowercase invented, it should, <laughs> it should have been there a, a while ago, yeah. um, but it wasn't there yet. So I realized that if you looked at every single language, you looked at JavaScript, you looked mm. at Python, you looked at Scala, and you talked to their developer communities, the one thing that they really loved about the languages was first prototyping. So being able mm. to test and experiment with the language without mm -hmm. having to install it at all, right? Yeah. Uh, we didn't have anything like that. We didn't have any REPL-like experiences mm. online for C-sharp and .NET. So I um, created a paper. I went to my corporate vice president and her peers and said, hey, this is something I feel that we need to invest in. I think we need to create a way for people to test C-sharp code in the browser. And that led to the creation of the thing that I made called try.net, which is the ability to write C-sharp code in the browser, test it out, mm. and do it again. And where we started um, a year ago, like almost two years ago, is that we started with using um, containers, right? Because C-sharp is not an interpretive language, it's a compiled language. Yep. And compiled languages in the browser, huh, no, that's mm -hmm. not going to happen, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So we started with um, containers, and we run the containers in the background constantly, so we'd have an isolated, safe place to work. But then WebAssembly became a thing. Yep. And Blazor was running on WebAssembly. So then we switched to running Blazor. Mm. That way we can now run, like you can prototype with C-sharp in the browser. So if you go to docs.microsoft.com and look at any C-sharp tutorial, it should be running. Um, if you, we have a global tool that's coming out that allows you to put this on your website, allows you to create workshops. So we have a cool way where we're merging interactive documentation with Markdown. So mm -hmm. if you have a markdown file and you have a C-sharp file, we can actually reference your C-sharp code from your backing project into your markdown and run it within your markdown. Yeah. So those are the things that we've been doing. Um, that is almost to an end. Like um, I'm one of the few people who actually say, hey, I worked on a product at Microsoft from beginning to end. It was yeah. open sourcing it to the community. So um what what's next there are a couple of things going on right now that i'm not allowed to talk about <laughs> i know right <laughs> if, if you talk to me next year this time next year i'll be like so this was all the secrets that i couldn't tell, tell you yeah yeah. So, yeah that's that's what i've been working on it's a lot about um what's next um which i really like like about microsoft it's like what mm. maria what should we be doing next yeah. and, and I, I i like the fact that um I have an organization within the company that allows me to do that. 
And I, I want to let any single, you know, African child growing up in the continent or starting their career right now, that, you know, I'm able to have these conversations yeah. uh, with my leadership team and they listen to me and my, my voice, my voice, uh, my opinion matters to them. So yeah. I think that's huge. Wow, that's that's amazing to know that, you know, you, you carry such weight. You know, you're doing your own little things, but if you look at the bigger picture, it goes a long way, you know, to help our young ones and the young generation, you know, come up. Um, I'm, I'm really interested in that. I remember when we spoke a couple of months back when I spoke to Scott Hanselman, and he mentioned that, hey, you should go take a look at um, .NET in a box, you know, or try .NET. So, and in and, and most of our correspondents, I kept asking, you know, is it ready? When is it going to be ready? Because like you mentioned, unfortunately for us, not all our, you know, all our places back home have that, you know, fast internet connection and all that to help. But I am I'm, I'm so amazed about, you know, your efforts. And I know that is going to go a long way to help, you know, the young ones. You mentioned that you have a great organization within Microsoft that allows you to, you know, do this, um, take, take up this um, project. I wanted to ask, what was the motivation, you know, to join this current team? And how is it like, you know, working within Microsoft? The motivation was actually brought to me. I know that almost sounds like I'm a celebrity, but it, I'm not. <laughs> so <laughs> I was, I remember when um, ASP.NET Core had just come out. It was called ASP.NET VNext. And I saw it and I had never touched anything that was .NET ever. I was just like, what's this thing? And I had a Mac at the time. And so I was like, you can run .NET on your Mac. So one of my, my colleagues mm. who was on my former team was like, Maria, do you know you can run .NET on your Mac? And I was like, no, you can't. And he was like, <laughs> I can prove it. And he said this thing. And then I started writing about the, um, and my blog is down. Like I haven't, like I don't blog as much anymore, but mm. um, I started writing about the .NET experience and, and me learning about .NET as a person who has come from a different language, like I've come from a Python space mm. and I love Python. And I was just like, I came into .NET and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And I was talking about all the, the new things that they're doing and it being cross-platform and some of the improvements that they may they needed. And I'd, all, I'd always open up issues on GitHub. Then Emo, I don't know if you know him, Emo Landworth, he is a principal PM on the team said, hey, I hear you speaking at this conference. Can we come and listen to your talk? Mm. So I was there and I was like, okay, I don't know who you are, random person, but sure, <laughs> you can come You can come and listen to my talk. So he came and he listened to my talk and he brought the entire PM engineering team and directors mm. to my talk. They were all at this open source conference. I was like, wait, wait, what? what? <laughs> all, all these big names are there. And I, and I get the talk and I thought I had totally bombed. And then the director of the team um, came, sent me an email and said, hey, do you mind if we have a chat? And I was like, what? I was like, but I did so badly in that talk. <laughs> and he, 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 he scheduled some time on my calendar and we started talking and he started talking about the team and where he wanted it go to go and like the visions he had for the team. I was like, okay. I said, I, I would like you to do not an interview, but I would like you to to meet the team. So I met with the team and they were all working on all this innovative stuff. And that was really what was the motivation driver was I didn't go looking for it, but when this team reached out to me and it sounded like a startup, it sounded like a revamp mm. of, of .NET. And I was like, there's an opportunity here 
to make an impact. And, and, I, and, and I was like, I, I really want to do that because I was kind of done with being an evangelist. I had done it um, for three years, three years and a half at that point. Um, it was every night and every weekend you're evangelizing. And, yeah. and that can be great, but there is a point where you're just like, I need to start building product. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and this team offered me the opportunity to take my evangelism background and actually feed it into the product because I said, I want to build things that are driven by our customers. customers yeah. And the whole org did that. So like, I think they used our team as an experiment and our team is very big on that. Um, our organization. So they used our team as an experiment. Like what would happen? What would the success look like if we built things from a customer driven perspective and now our entire organization, even if you're doing um, file new project, Visual Studio, they do customer driven data on mm. that. They do customer research on that. So that that continues to be my motivation, motivation to stay in this organization right now is that it is customer driven. Yeah. And maybe one day because of the way Microsoft is and they really encourage you to kind of seek what's next. Like yeah. every three years, your boss will sit you down and say, so what's next for you? Not that they're mm -hmm. chasing you away or anything. They, 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 they want you there, but they want to make sure you're growing. And hopefully I can take what um, the developer division has done with customer-driven um, development and then take that to another organization and have that impact there. Yeah, that's, that's amazing to know that you're taking all this customer-driven, you know, info and feedback and, you know, infusing it into product. That's a great great way to go so how would you say technology has influenced or changed your life oh that's that's a deep one right? <laughs> i pack i pack the deep questions for you <laughs> i would have to say the way technology has really impacted my way my life the most it's mm. probably and it's going to be really weird is the way we can easily move around money yeah and let me like let, let me explain that like specifically anyone who is um who is from the continent, I think if you're from Asia or Africa, one of the things that you're very used to doing mm. is sending money back home. Yeah. Right? And in the back days, and I, I also own property back home, so you're also sending money mm -hmm. to the builder who's going to do this. And <laughs> that, 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 that stuff, right? So so um, one of the big things that I have to say is like the ease of sending money now. Like mm. before you go to Western Union, you stand mm -hmm. in line, they give you some mm -hmm. absorbent fee and you're just like, sweet Lord, why? <laughs> and I have to say like with the development of apps, like I don't know if you've heard of Wave. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. use it. You use exactly, right? Yeah, I, yeah. Wave was a game ch changer because you're just like, buy Western Union, I don't need you anymore, mm -hmm. right? And to me, that's been one of the biggest things. And Wave is like an iteration of something that we had. And I'm pretty, pretty sure probably everybody had this. Um, in Uganda, we had the concept of me to you. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you had it in Ghana, where it was like, yeah. we're able to send someone top up on their... Um, Airtime. On their cell yep. phone credits, where you were able to share yours. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the biggest game changers for me because I would secretly go to my mom's phone and hopefully my mom listens to the <laughs> podcast. And I'd be like, oh, me to you, 500 shillings. Mm. <laughs> so I used to, like, I have to say, like, the easy transfer of, 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 of money has been really big because yeah. um, I've seen people use it for, like, my brother used to, 
to, to work with farmers. He now um, is a consultant at the Boston, Consult Boston Consulting Group. But when he was in Uganda, he worked with farmers. And one of the things that they found, and especially around micro um, finance. Finance, yeah. Yeah, you would give, you'd give a farmer money, but it would never go to their home because between there and getting back to their mm -hmm. village, it would have been spilt, spent on drink or, mm -hmm. or something like that. Mm -hmm. So what they did was, they, how do you introduce phone? Like, how do you use, how do you introduce banking mm -hmm. to people who don't have access to the bank? Mm -hmm. And the way M-Pesa has become such a part of people being able to move money around easily, carry around their money easily, share money easily, has greatly yeah. has impacted things. So I have to say, um, that's how technology has really impacted my life. And then also I have to say the fact that I use Alexa and Siri to order literally everything. Mm. So it impacted my life as well. Because yeah. I could get something and I'm just like, Alexa, <laughs> order toothpaste, please. <laughs> yeah, right? uh, yeah. Although my niece has ordered stuff for herself, like she ordered herself like a princess doll and it showed up at my house and I was like, I need to prove this. Mm -hmm. To get stuff for her, so mm -hmm. it's been both a good and a bad thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's interesting, and you know, it's it's amazing that Africa has, I think, the largest in percentages of mobile use. So we've been privileged. I think Africa and Asia. So we've been privileged to have this rapid, you know, wave of mobile applications, especially for money transfer and mobile connectivity and all that. It's 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 amazing. It's amazing. I know you you have Afro style, which yeah. is one of your social things you do. So how do you balance your work and the social life? And if you can also tell us more about Afro style. Okay, so like balancing my work and life, like one of the things that I you have to do, um, and, and I, I was taught this from my boss, because before I used to think that you had to work endless amounts of hours to get ahead. Mm. The truth is that you need to just work smart and yep. also work and work life balance is really important. So there are days when I work until I wake up at around 5.45. I'm at my computer at 7. I try not to rush right to my desk. I try to either go for a walk on the nicer days or mm -hmm. go to the gym. But I always try to make sure that by 6 or 7 p.m., then I am off my machine and I turn off my computer. Mm. And that has become like a huge game changer for me because I find myself being more productive. That I have an end time. Mm. So, 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 so that, that's a big thing of like, you know, that at this time, like I have to have a social life because I think, um, especially when you're young and you're in a foreign country, you're also just like, of course I have to give myself to my work all the time. And before yeah. you know it, you're just like, how come I'm alone and I don't have <laughs> friends? Yeah. Like, you don't want that you want to spend you want to make the conscious effort to make time for yourself another thing that i always tell people is to give themselves creative outlets and mm. creative breaks like i have a colleague who's a stand-up comedian oh i have a, a another colleague who is um pretty high up there in microsoft he's like the architect for net and he's a professional tennis player wow. and he always, and he always makes time to, to 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 play his tennis he always makes time to go to his tournaments Mm. And I always make time for my art. So I know that every day, and I need to publish a bunch of them, I get up, I get my tablet, which is not a tablet that is connected to work in any way. Mm -hmm. And I start drawing my art. Okay. Because it's, it's just like a nice way to do that. 
and 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 that's where like Afro style was born because um, my nieces live in Kenya, and I remember going to visit them before I started the, the project of Afro style, and they had all these characters that they were drawing, drawing like cartoon characters and superhero characters, and none of them looked like them, and and this had <laughs> this was way before Wakanda, right? But yeah. What, when Wakanda happened, I didn't need to draw as much because we had representation on screen. Yeah. Before that, I was just like, I drew the stickers, especially the, the Wonder Woman sticker. Yeah. Um, was for my nieces and for my, my nephews. So, like, they had more characters who looked like them. And then, then it just became fun. People would actually tweet me suggestions. I would be like, can you draw Alice in Wonderland? Can you draw Princess Peach? People would just be mm-hmm. excited to see mm-hmm. what they and I liked because it was a community aspect to it. Yeah. Um, so and, and it also keeps you engaged with people. And I met like people who are um, authors at Marvel and artists at Marvel. Can you imagine like meeting someone who's just like, oh yeah, I, I I was one of the people who drew the Black Panther suit, and you're just like, what? <laughs> you know what? I, I, and they're like, oh, could I have one of your stickers? And I was like, but compared to you, my work is crap. Yeah. But yeah, it, 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 it's that, it's making a conscious effort. Like I always tell people, like, like if your conscious effort, if coding is your passion and you like to do side projects that are coding, do that. Like have, mm. have a lot of fun with it. If you like to, 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 um, to be a, a play, in being plays, do that. Like I have a friend who's an engineer at BuzzFeed and she, is in a, she does plays. She does Shakespeare mm. plays every single week. Um, so I think that's the thing is that we have to make a, an effort to have fun. We have to make, have an effort to give back, whether it's volunteering yeah. at heels. Like one of the things that I do is volunteer, um, with adult literacy. Cause you realize yeah. that there are a lot of people who aren't taught how to read well. So yeah. also teaching them how to fill in a form and understand that like, you're like, teaching them like, how do you understand specs? Like I offered a service to people, um, where I'm just like, if you want to buy a new computer and you feel overwhelmed at Best Buy, mm-hmm. I'll go with you and, mm. and, and, I, and I will be your tech mouthpiece. So I've done that for like several nannies in the neighborhood where I'm just, Wow. I will help you be that, that person. So like this weekend I was at Best Buy like with four different people who just are like, okay, she wants this. No. And then they're trying mm-hmm. to sell this incredibly expensive things. So they're like, no, yeah. Yeah. she just needs that. is enough, $400 is enough, so yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's interesting, yeah. To mention that, you know, um, what, to make time, you know, for for other activities. Um, Do you, aside, you know, Afro style, is there, I'm sorry, are there other activities you you do? Yes, Um, other activities I do. I, I, I started learning tennis for the first time with my nephew. He's eight. Okay. So we go every single Sunday and this eight-year-old basically kills me on the tennis court. <laughs> kills me on the tennis Like I'm running around panting for breath and then he has one hand in his pocket just hitting it with one hand. Mm. So tennis mm. is like another thing I do. And then I also have started writing plays. Like I don't publish oh. them. I'm still trying to get the, the confidence mm. to hit, like put them on a website and publish. Um, but yeah, that's, that's another big thing that I do is, um, a lot of plays, a lot of art, a now tennis and volunteering. So I want to get more, like I used to volunteer a lot with black girls who code. I Mm -hmm. need to get back into that. 
Um, but like volunteering is another big thing for thing. me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I naturally, you know, for myself, you know, growing up in, you know, doing technology, I love to volunteer, but it's when I got to the U.S. that I kind of, you know, appreciated it myself. Because like you mentioned, I also was volunteering in the library, teaching older folks how to use, you know, let's say, you know, the Internet Explorer, a web browser, you know, Excel, PowerPoint. And it was very fulfilling, you know, to, and they're like, to the amazement, like, wow, you can do that. It can slide in, it can slide out. You know, the joy you have helping, you know, helping people, you know, with, with just volunteering to do good stuff. That's That's amazing. So we want to know. What inspires you generally? What inspires you? Okay, so the one thing that constantly inspires me today is making sure that we get our tech, from, from a work perspective, is making sure that we get our technology in a place where it's usable literally anywhere. Mm. So look at the thing... Um, Trilet.net, for example, yeah. is that it works really great on the web. We now have it working really good, like locally on your machine. So no access to the internet, which was a huge thing for me, for anyone with limited connectivity. Mm. Next thing is that I wanted working on a mobile phone perfectly. I want us to be able to render um, the, Monaco the Monaco editor in a mobile phone. Reason being is that most people back home, like I was talking, I, I used to be on a in a ch WhatsApp chat with mm. um, mentoring Ugandan girls about okay. tech, mm -hmm. and they used to do the entire mentorship and debugging in a WhatsApp chat, right? Yeah. So I'm just like, okay, send me a screenshot, put a breakpoint there, yeah. mm -hmm. send it back to me. Can you imagine if we were able to use an embedded experience within yeah. WhatsApp or within your phone where I could do that with you, pair to pair, like actually doing mobile pair programming. Yeah. And that could open up. And if you think about like where we're from, everyone has a mobile device, mm -hmm. right? So they could, they could have, and especially with Android, creating so many devices at various spectrums. Like you can have both expensive and incredibly cheap where we actually have an equalizer. That inspires me on things that we can change, we can revolutionize with tech. So for me, from a, it's a learning perspective, yeah. but also how we can use technology and how we can use um, devices that people are using every single day to create industry for them mm. is huge, right? So like how um, a person can run their startup or their small business, especially in the continent, purely from their mobile phone, mm. where they're using banking, where they're selling products, where they're doing bookkeeping, where they're doing all this stuff on their mobile phones, that's eventually where I want. That's where I want to be, where it's like with one device, we are changing an individual's life. We are giving them a, a um, we're giving them opportunities, job opportunities, independence opportunities, work opportunities, <laughs> opportunities, all in the power of their hands. That's where I want to be. Wow. Yeah, that's a great that's a great um, perspective to have. So, with all this, you know, loving to create these tools and resources to change, you know, the individual and you know businesses. What is your approach to learning new stuff? How do you how do you approach learning new things? Um, with anything. So yeah, like with anything. Anything. So with topics, reading like. Reading and videos is how I absorb information. 
uh, as I mentioned before, I, and I think it comes from my love of history. Mm-hmm. So I have to know the answer. So I can be watching a TV show and I'll be like, what? Let me find out if that's accurate. So I, I, that's my mm-hmm. first thing. I just jump in and I read. I read a lot. I love to read. Um, another thing is that if when I'm programming or learning how to program, all I need to know is the hello world mm-hmm. and run from there because I feel like just getting your hands into something is the most important thing. And I told people like, um, and I think I missed this at the beginning of our, our, our conversation. The first time I actually interacted with code was purely by accident. Mm. I was in an internet cafe. Do you remember those? Yep. 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 <laughs> I was in an internet cafe and I was on a Destiny's Child's website. And I right clicked and somehow clicked um, view page view cool. source. Yeah, was page like, source. Yeah. What is this, right? And I didn't know what it was. I said, what did I do? Did I break the machine? But I, then I started reading it and it looked a lot, the text that I was seeing on the screen, mm. a lot like what I had seen on the actual website. So I got my, my flash drive, which was probably something like 25 megabytes mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. I plugged it in. I saved it on my machine and then back home I had a computer, but that it had no internet mm-hmm. and I opened it up and the only thing it would open up in was notepad. So I opened it up in notepad. I started moving things around and I noticed it was a dot HTML file. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what's on it. And then I started playing around and moving the code around and moving angle brackets around and moving close brackets. And (laughs) I was accidentally coding Mm. and accidentally debugging stuff, right? Like without a debugger. So my first editor ever was Notepad by accident. Mm. And that's how I stumbled across code. And then a few days later, my mom said, computers are the future. You're going to do (laughs) And it was like, it was a perfect, it was a perfect experience. I I almost would say it was consent. Yeah. Yeah. I discovered this thing that I had no idea. That I, like, I didn't know about how, you know, websites were there or, like, how my computer turned on. Like, that wasn't something I was interested in. I was on the road to being a lawyer. Yeah. And this was it. So, for me, it's always the accidental, like, let's break something and then fix it, right? And then I always say, don't you don't have to know everything before you jump in. Like, you will learn as you go. Like, even there's some things like within .NET, especially with .NET Framework, because I came from the .NET Core world, where I'm still absorbing stuff, right? With like, yeah. so for example, when people reference things like in web forms mm-hmm. or WPF, I'm just like, what? <laughs> yeah. What? I'm just like, what? But then, like, I'm always ready to to learn new things, and I always tell people, absorb as you go mm. and go as deep as you can, right? But don't mm. feel like you have to go deep first and then understand everything mm. as you like i'm um like my boss and i call it two different things he is metal up where he has to know how jit works before yeah. he writes a line of code i'm just like okay let's start writing code mm-hmm. and as i get into problems i will figure, figure it, it out, out. That's maria's problem right yeah. but that's the way i take my approach to learning especially when it comes to code and even like with math, I was just like, even in math, I was just like, I'll just dig into the problem. And when I get stuck, I'll go ask someone. And, yeah. and, and that has always been my approach. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Now let's, let's bring it back home. Let's, let's talk a bit about Africa. So 
what i mean i know you mentioned you know the fact that now it's 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 fast interesting and you know good to have you know these money moving apps and all that talked about you know having the ability to to program and debug and to you know mentor people through mobile devices what's your big picture for africa um what's my sorry big pardon? what's your big picture your big picture for africa if you were to paint you know, a picture for like of Africa, what would that picture be? Oh gosh. I, I don't know how to say this without being political. Um, <laughs> so, so like my big thing for Africa is that I want more people to understand their civil liberties, like their mm. civil rights as individuals. Mm. And for us to better understand um, that we don't, oh man, this is going to get me into trouble. It won't get you into any trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Like if we, we I, I want us to have more education at mm. every level and more understanding mm. of how our politics work. Mm. And mm. I'm only speaking from, from my perspective of being Ugandan because we've had the same president for 30 years, mm. um, 30 plus years. However, my, my younger brother is, that's how long he's been president. So I feel like if we were able to, my big picture of Africa is that we have people understanding a better um, civil liberties having people have more independence where they have more financial benefits and gain. Um, I think we are going to probably, despite what people think, I think we're going to probably lead in more sustainable, um, a more sustainable engineering um, economy mm. that would be better for the environment. I already see it happening at different places where in Uganda, we outlawed, we outlawed plastic bags way before yeah. anybody else in the people are doing it in Europe and Af and in America. Yeah. Uganda has still, hasn't been using plastic bags, so I want to say for 15 years. So my big picture for Africa is that we are going to be the trendsetters. We are going to, sh we are going to actually, our, our country is so young. Our, our, yeah. our continent is so young and hopeful and we have the youngest population and with a younger population, we are going to drive political change. We are going to drive environmental change, we are going to drive industry change. And you're also seeing even within the arts, so like within acting, mm -hmm. how many Africans are you seeing coming up? Like Issa Rae, Senegalese. Yep. Um, Uganda, we have like three people that I know of who are, who are coming up, one of them <laughs> for an Oscar. Um, so yeah, I think we're, I think we're going to change. My big change is that we're going to be the game changers because there's only one way for us to go and it's up. Yeah. And we're, we're going to go up. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So, do you plan on going back? Eventually, yeah. Okay. Yeah, That's... eventually, yeah. Um, there are some things that I want to do here. There's, there's some things that I want to learn and take back home. But yes, eventually, that's the plan. Like, I am, I am growing old home. Mm, yeah, that's true. So, apart from, you mentioned the fact that you, I think, black, black girls code, sorry, what are the other things you're doing or what are the things you plan to do to promote technology in Africa? Other things that I'm doing right now, I do not have anything scheduled right now. Um, but one, one of the organizations I would love to start working with more, just also to learn how they're doing it and seeing how I can support, support is Andela. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Yes, you probably heard that a lot, right? Oh yeah, yeah, I have. Um, uh, we we we're gonna have a different talk offline about that. So I, that's why I smiled when you mentioned it. <laughs> because I, I just know so many independent developers yeah. in Uganda who have really thrived and got opportunities with Andela. 
So I think there's a thing where maybe there's a consulting business mm. that we're within tech that we are able to provide. So yeah, that's a big one. I would also love to see, and, and this is out of my control, I would love to see um, Microsoft and mm. other big tech companies. Also, like just how you have an office in India, yeah. we should have a major office in like at least two or three mm-hmm. across the continent, right? Yeah. Um, one east, one west, one south, one north. So four major offices, right? Um, so I, I'd like to see that. I know Google, I think Google opened in Ghana, yeah, yeah, they opened their AI research center in Ghana. Yeah, so yeah, it's the AI, right? Yeah, it's the AI. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I I feel like we're gonna see 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 more of that. Um, so yeah, I I need to think more. Like in the pa- for the past three years, I have been heads down, uh, trying to get this product complete, and now I I, I want to like peek back out and and do some more work within within back home. Yeah. Uh, and to talk of the offices, I know that uh, Microsoft is also starting the mixed reality um, facility in Nigeria, in Lagos. Yes. So, yeah. So that's also um, a plus. And yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how um, the big players are getting into it. Because like you mentioned, you know, Africa is going to be the next big thing and we can only go up. So for me, it's very exciting to see all these big, you know, big guys running in there. So, Mario, let's get to the point. Some, you know, a fun aspect of our of our interview or of our podcast. We call it the mystery fan questing. So, we have a total of 15 questings. You're just going to um, pick a random number between 1 and 15. And if, you, if you're up for it, you can tell us why you picked that number. And there's an associated questing that I'll ask you that, okay. you know, yeah, you'd answer for that. So, one, in, 1 to 15, what would it be? 12. Any reason? Um, because I come from a, a family of six, so when I grew, I grew, I um, when I was growing up, I always said we're going to become a family of twelve because mm. everyone was going to marry somebody else. Mm. <laughs> and I'm just like very lame. Okay? <laughs> no, definitely, it's not. <laughs> definitely, definitely the reasoning of a child. So mm. yeah, it's not. Anyway, so question twelve on the mystery fund question today on Control Escape is: When you do something positive or helpful to others. Do you prefer private recognition or public praise? Private. Why? Um, because one, I find it like I find public praise a little bit embarrassing. Also, um, growing up, my mom said we should always do things for the joy of giving. Mm. And when you do things um, with the joy of giving, you don't look for praise. Mm. You just hope that you're helping somebody else, and you hope that they will help somebody else in return. Oh, well, that's that's amazing. So, on your opinion on Control Escape this episode, I want to ask you this question. What changes would you want to see or make in the teaching and learning of technology-related programs in schools, especially in Africa? Okay, so technology programs, first of all, we, we need to start introducing them into more schools. Um, not only the private um, the private international schools. I don't know if it's like that in Ghana, but in Uganda, it definitely is. It's, it's only accessible um, by people mm. who have So big change that I would like to see. First of all, it needs to start with educating the teachers and providing them with the tools that they need. So it would be great if the government can't do it for organizations to step in and give the teachers the resources that they need and actual resources. I would also like to see us... Um, creating editors that are easier for people who are citizen coders. Mm. So citizen coders is what I mean by people who are not you and I, 
who yeah. actually who did a CS degree, but people who are just learning on their own, who don't necessarily need to know what a debugger is or what a, you know um, the compiler is or anything like that. They just need to know that when I hit the button run, it just runs. Mm. And for that to happen, you need to introduce programming components outside of an editor. Because one of the things that we're doing is that we are forcing people who are not um, tech savvy mm -hmm. to teach tech savviness. Yeah. When the thing is that we should actually be introducing a set of tools that work with their everyday life so that they can actually focus on teaching the fundamentals to the students and not focus on teaching the tooling. Tooling is something that you can learn in industry or, or school. You don't need, necessarily need to learn it when you're building your first Hello World application or um, first website, which is just static HTML. Awesome. Before we, you know, we wrap it up, do you have any advice for up and coming aspirants who want to join your ranks? Oh yeah. Um, my, my big piece of advice is right click and hit view source on every page that you see on the <laughs> internet. That, that was my journey. It, it, it's fascinating how much you can learn from that. Um, also from a learning perspective, if you go to the developer tools on the browser, mm -hmm. that's also a huge insight. Mm. Um, don't ask as many questions as you would like, because at the beginning of your career, actually throughout your career, um, some of the biggest people I've worked with, like the top, top, top people um, I, I've seen work, they ask so many questions and they ask those questions with pride and joy. Mm -hmm. and, and I think we need to, to encourage the next generation to do that because sitting in a corner and Googling stuff or reading a bunch of books takes a lot more time than turning to your colleague and asking them a question. Yeah. And if your colleague, colleague isn't willing to help you, they're not good people. There are so many other people who are willing to help you. So I've met only one person who's been unwilling to help me mm. and hundreds, hundreds of others who are willing to help me. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, we're so grateful, Maria, for your time. It's been such an amazing episode with you, your journey, telling us your stories, telling us, you know, the ups and downs, the challenges. We really appreciate the effort, really appreciate your, your story. We believe that this would go a long way to help others, you know, coming into this space. We're very, very grateful. And I'm so grateful that you're putting this together, Samuel. We need more, more stories like this. And thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Journey Series here on Control Escape. My guest today was Maria Nagaga, a senior programs manager at Microsoft. We've been thrilled by her story, her journey, her success, you know, her challenges. And I believe that this is going to go a long way to influence you out there hoping to go into the space of technology. Remember, our podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Music, Spotify, TuneIn. Download, listen, and subscribe. Don't forget to check out our website at podcast.sajourney.me and keep your feedback coming at hello at sajourney.me. Remember, wealth, if used, comes to an end, but learning, if used, increases. So go on, be curious, learn new things, and once you learn them, share them to help people grow. Until next Friday, this is Control Escape.